0: Richard Feynman was a physicist, Nobel laureate, and occasional bongo player who garnered a reputation as the great explainer. Feynman never considered himself a naturally gifted academic, but his ability to comprehend and communicate placed him amongst the intellectual elite of the 20th century. He developed what we now call the Feynman Technique, a means not just of explaining complex problems, but explaining how to explain those problems. Here's how he did it. He identified the subject. Today we're discussing inflation. He stated it as plainly as he could. A general increase in prices and fall the purchasing value of money. He then assessed his own explanation. The parts he struggled to explain exposed what he didn't know. Those were the parts he researched further. Then he ran the experiment again, each iteration boasting a tighter and tighter explanation. And that's what we're looking to do here. My name's Charles, and I'm a brand designer at Love & Money. I explain fairly complex things for a living. And for my money, of all the explanations of explanation, Feynman's is the best. Welcome to Attempts to Explain, where we take Feynman's technique beyond science and our toolkit beyond branding. It's our chance to try and understand some of the memes we see floating around the internet and shaping our world today. So you said you'll start recording and we'll start with me. So today uh, we're going to attempt to explain what's happening with the economy right now, what the impact is on people like us in a kind of a digital first global world, and what we think might happen in the future. Um, so we are going to we're going to start with with my working definition of inflation. Um, and Peter, you're going you're gonna to tell me uh, where I'm being too broad or I've got things sort of just completely wrong. Um, I am happy to mark your homework. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is quite broad, uh, but from what I can understand, inflation is what happens when there's uh, too much demand and not enough supply. So prices essentially go up because everybody is scared um, or reacting to how much things are going to cost, and they're essentially trying to do some sort of a, a recalibration. Um, and I guess the the thing that that tends to happen is you get stuck in this kind of um, a bit of a doom spiral or a kind of a negative feedback loop um, because we have this, you know, because economies are, are so transactional and kind of conversational. Um, you know, you have these kind of ricocheting or echoing feedback effects of, um, you know, this costs more, so therefore I need to charge more. And by the time it's kind of looped around, um, everything just kind of floats up and up and up. So, uh,
1: that's not bad.
0: Yeah. What uh, not bad. How can we make it better?
1: Well, it's like in a theater. Uh, when people run for the doors, if there's a fire. So um, say the price of bananas is about to go up. You think it's about to go up because there's been a cyclone. There won't be enough, as we had in uh, 2011, uh, there won't be enough bananas. And people uh, know that uh, the suppliers will be able to put up the price of the remaining bananas because people still need them for their breakfast cereal. But people expect that. So ahead of time, they are prepared to hang on I better yeah even if it's a uh, dollar even if it's 50 cents a, a kilo more I better pay that now because it might be about to go up so um, it's sort of uh, self reinforcing
0: so that's really interesting so it, it makes it quite hard to quantify right if um, if consumers kind of at point of sale can make those, um, I don't know they can make those deliberations right so as you say you know but bananas can be can be swapped, switched out with apples um so that obviously makes it sort of a bit harder for us to kind of quantify this in in real time um but are, are there anything like are there any kind of goods or services things that we track that are you know they're totally consistent like for instance uh, gas or or oil or something like that like that, are there things that um, are kind of beyond the pale as far as kind of the, the switch out goes?
1: Yeah, we call them inelastic, uh, inelastic to uh, price. Um, and petrol is like that in the short term. We just have to buy it, okay? We don't like what's happening. Of course, in the longer term, we can uh, arrange work differently. So we stay at home more given, you know, it's going to $2 uh, a litre. Um, or we can uh, switch to cars that use less petrol, as we've done when uh, prices have gone up previously, but we can't do that uh, straight away.
0: Right. But even, I mean, even with the, the gas example, right, like there is obviously a relationship between, um, like obviously the, the, the molecules of gas that you are selling remain consistent, but the value is also relative to the efficiency of the machines you're running it through, right? So, um if you you know like it's we talk about like miles per gallon or, or kilometers per liter. I suppose I've never never really heard any anyone in the metric system use that term, but I'm sure we do. Um, does that sort of then also factor into the price? Because like you know, selling someone a <laughs> selling someone in the states a gallon of petrol, um, you know, 30, 40 years ago uh, would have been like kind of worth less to them than that gallon would be now because their car is that much more efficient and it can go much further. How do we price that in? Or don't we?
1: No, uh, we don't. Um, uh, the, the adjustments are um, uh, are only... Uh, another classic one is VB, uh, Victoria of beer, right? So the, the, the government um, increases the alcohol tax quite aggressively every six months. And this imposes costs, of course, uh, on the, uh, you know, the, the cost of the ingredients uh, don't increase, but uh, uh, the cost of the tax does. So what VB for years did, it, uh, it started at 4.8%, then uh, whittled it down to 47 then then whittled it down to 46 What does the Bureau do in such a case? The, the price of a can hadn't changed, but uh, in a sense, depends what you buy the beer for, right? <laughs> do you buy it to drink? They, they When they watered it down, they actually changed their slogan to the drinking beer. right. Or do you buy it because of its effect? And by the way, I should say about alcohol. Um, it, I, I said the bureau does this household survey of what you spend money on. And people accurately uh, report uh, what they spend money on. they can compare this to retail sales and so on, except for two products: beer or sorry, alcohol and tobacco. Um, and the under-reporting, because they work out the discrepancy between what's actually bought and what people say when they surveyed, is half. That is to say, they take what people say they spend on alcohol and tobacco and double it. It just happens to be about a half, but uh, people tell the truth
0: and the other things. So, okay, there's, there's another interesting, just to stick on to the, the VB thing for a while. So there, there's, there's also another market force in play there, right, which is the... The, the value or the, the, the desire of or the desire consumers have for a VB right So like what's it's not just what's the price of beer, but what's the relative price of a VB versus I don't know and in, in Australia there's been a, or at least sort of five years ago at least there was a big kind of craft beer movement you know people I assume stopped buying VB to quite the same degree. Like, how do, how do those kind of um, how do those dynamics play into it?
1: It's changed. It used to be that the Bureau had sentinel items. So uh, for bread, it was, uh, I've got it here, it was the price of a such and such. So for bread, it was the price of a, a 650 gram white loaf. Um, And it used to assume that other breads would move with that because, you know, when people were going into supermarkets with uh, little handheld devices, it would be just too hard for them to go through the supermarket. That's changed only in the last two years. With uh, the use of scanner data, they now know exactly what types of bread people spend on, the amount they spend on them, the amount they buy, and which brands of beer they buy
0: and so and they they then average that data out i suppose so they look at like all yep. bread you know consumption and kind of pick a pick that's product.
1: right because you, you might be changing the the type of bread getting more um, artisanal breads where it's really difficult is new products how do you look at an iphone i mean before 2006 they didn't exist so and and they gradually became a, a more important Part of spending, and they've done that by sort of phasing these things in. But that's another sort of judgment call. They obviously can't compare the price of an iPhone to the the price of a Nokia without internet connection. Um, and so they, they basically created a new category.
0: But like, but surely consumer tech is like a huge part of discretionary spending, right? Like, I mean, you look at the the some of the biggest companies in the world are consumer tech products, and sort of have been since you know, I guess the, the late 20th century, um, mid to late 20th century. Is it, is it just that that's kind of like too hard to predict? Like how, how do you, how do you sort of hedge on that? Or how do you, how do you price that in? So like, I don't know. I mean, look at, look at the the size of Apple, right? Apple being one of the biggest companies in the world, um, it's obviously generating a huge amount of revenue and and is responsible for a, a, a pretty sort of, solid proportion of um, discretionary spending how yeah how do we kind of predict that one of the things
1: they do is read no seriously so they scan uh, journals or uh, trade magazines and look for new trends now of course they'll be behind the trends but um they, they uh, see, look, there's this thing coming along called streaming, you know. We, we didn't have anything in there for this, but we better start pricing that. So they, they actually have discussions each quarter. The CPI comes out uh, in Australia uh, only every three months. Each quarter, they have discussions about these sort of things. And while the general categories, you know, 5% on alcohol and so on, uh basically unchanged, um, don't change quarter to quarter. Within that, um, you know, so, for instance, for the music category, they would have, uh, as they should have, uh, you know, wouldn't have waited five years. Within that, every quarter, they'd been cutting the weighting of CDs and, uh, of course, cutting uh, and then increasing again, I suppose, the weighting of vinyl and um, increasing the uh, the weight of streaming. So, it, like all of these things that look shiny from the outside, you know, one number, there's an awful lot that goes into it. Now having said that, there's one very important qualification um, which is that all of these judgments, and you might say that means that the figures can't be relied on and you know they depend on you know what someone's read that day fair enough. but there's a strange thing about prices. The strange thing is, they move together. So, um, uh, at the moment, with uh, what's happening in uh, Russia and Ukraine, the price of wheat is going through the roof. It's absolutely record high. It's gone up 30% in uh, in, a, in a month, right, uh, world, worldwide. But the price of rice uh, hasn't, because rice isn't produced in, in those countries. is uh, not a problem there. And um, the price of rice, though, uh will move and so basically every price, because people will substitute, and so basically every price uh, moves together. Now what the Bureau does, uh, it uh, creates separate price indices for separate groups of Australians. So there's one for employed Australians, one for Australians on, on benefits, one for retirees, and they all move together, even though the baskets are different. It's because it's almost the case, I'm exaggerating, it's almost the case that if I picked a basket at random, it would end up moving pretty much the same as the basket that uh, the statistician painstakingly assembles. So all of these judgments that people make, and you know they sit in rooms and work out what the prices are and look through trade journals and look at what people are buying now, it turns out not to matter that much because when prices are moving, and Russia is a classic example at the moment, Um, uh, Russia can't get foreign exchange um, because of uh, sanctions and uh, so it can't get foreign goods. And so prices are going up Um, and they're going up really for everything because everything is a substitute for something else. So it may be, you know, hypothetically that uh, Russia makes cars but doesn't make washing machines or it makes one brand of car and uh, Lada (laughs) and, uh, you know, there's another brand of car that's imported, you'll find that the price of the Russian-made car uh, goes up because people have to switch from one to the other. So in a sense, um, I could just use a rule of thumb, use a very simple price index, and it would more or less move the same. I mean, when prices are moving, in the US now they're up 7% a year, which is highest it's been for 30 years. Um, the, 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 the exact composition of the index, you know, exactly how they're just for quality, doesn't really change anything. When things are moving, they're moving, and when they're not, and since the early 90s, they haven't been. Inflation's been quite low. It's now started to climb again. Uh, and when they're not, they're not. <laughs>
0: So it's it's kind of like a um, taking a temperature check on uh, you know say like a body of water and you sort of you you look at it at the at the dial and you're like oh cool it's uh, you know it's fourteen degrees. There will take be- it at
1: one end of the bath, take it at the other; they they'll
0: move together. Right. Okay. So um, I've got a I've got a couple of questions off the back of that. Uh, so. Um, Yuval Noah Harari kind of talks about money as a, as a story that we tell to ourselves and others, which I, I really like, right? It's, a, it's kind of a narrative um, that we have. So I guess my question is, to what end is inflation sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy um, or potentially another way of looking at that is um, how much is inflation a measure of where we're at versus what we expect?
1: It's different to what it used to be. Um, Australia used to have strong unions. And so what happened was as soon as prices went up, wages went up Hmm. because wages feed into prices, um, it sort of became a spiral. So what we expected uh, matters. The uh, sort of uh, industrial structure has changed. I mean, it's changed so much. It's worrying the government in that uh, employers just don't feel the need to uh, offer pay rises, even though they're they're running short of workers. Um, They they do things such as uh, pay retention bonuses or sign on bonuses and so on. And uh, the unions are sort of uh, powerless. They don't have the power that they used to, to demand wage increases for everyone. So expectations feed into inflation less than they used to. It's been a long time since we've had uh, a wage price spiral but uh yeah what we expect matters a lot and the reserve bank surveys uh, inflation expectations uh, of different people and one of the things i guess it's traditionally done it it uh, surveys the inflation expectations of trade union officials as well as the inflation expectations of business and so on but their inflation expectations turn out to matter far less than they did uh, when the uh, bureau Uh, began doing it, Uh, you know, uh, sadly, perhaps. We had the situation in the 80s where um, uh, we had the spiral uh, and uh, desperate to break it, uh, the government uh, did the accord, it's called the accord with a capital A, with uh, Australian trade unions, did a deal with them and said, look, please don't push for higher wages. Yeah, we know that higher prices are cutting your standard of living. We'll make it up to you in other ways. And those other ways were uh, greater welfare benefits and uh, superannuation. So um, uh, it'll be money that you'll get, but you can't spend now and uh, help push up prices that way. Um, and that, that sort of helped break the cycle. But it's been a long time since expectations mattered. What we do have are... Um, Expectations of businesses.
0: Yeah, well, I, that, that was actually going to be another question. Is um, so it, it sounds like in in some ways it has been kind of tempered. Um, I suppose these kind of consumer expectations. But then you look at something like um, the United States, and we look at I guess kind of you know journalism's become a, a really kind of global thing, right? Like if I if I look at my um, my kind of media diet a lot of what I read is kind of US based publications um, because I can kind of access them on the Internet really easily. Um, So I I guess I was wondering, you know, how does the how does the kind of the advent of of digital first journalism, or I suppose, like kind of global journalism kind of impact the, the global market? Right. Because if you think about consumer expectations, you know, I'm here in Sydney, Australia, but uh, and I, don't know, I run a business, but I'm seeing that, you know, over in the States, people are talking about inflation all the time. Um, you know, I then start looking for it. I start, you know, if I go to the if I go to Coles or something and, and, you know, buy my basket of goods and notice that ginger is higher than it used to be. I'm like, oh, it's obviously happening here. Um, and then I sort of start acting accordingly. Um, how do we how do we measure that or what? One, is that a thing? Um, and two, you know, how, how, again, do we kind of price that in or, or think about that?
1: Well, we have very little bargaining power as workers. It might change, but what you referred to, the, the global nature of things, it's not only journalism, it's call centers, right? So um, people in the Philippines, South Africa do a frighteningly good job. Um, most of them, of, uh, you know, answering calls as if they're in Melbourne. Some of them are even trained to know what football is and, you know, given videos and, and, and so on um, about Australia. Um, even in journalism, uh, a lot of uh, American company reports, you know, the, the, uh, such and such company had such and such profits, are written in India by people who uh, are not familiar with it or are done by machines so company reporting is now completely believable reports are written by machine in the in the US uh, they have sports reporting because sports is very data intensive you know the the where the, the ball went and so on um, and a machine will write one report for one newspaper with a hometown bias, another report for another paper, you know, someone was victorious, you know, someone was uh, smashed, uh, uh, and so on. Um, so it, the offshoring. And uh, technology both have the same effect of lowering the bargaining power of workers, also lowering prices or keep you know keeping prices low, and lowering the bargaining power of workers. Now that's been the story for the last few decades, uh, increasingly been the story. But just now prices are, are, are taking off. Uh, the question is um, whether that will be temporary or not. So you would imagine that uh, the disruption to the oil supply uh, will be temporary. Um, you'd imagine the disruption to the wheat supply, uh, you know, it will be temporary. As Australia, as it happens, is also a big exporter of wheat. So um, at least we won't have shortages, that they will have high prices because uh, it's uh, traded internationally. Um, w- the question is whether these whether we've got what um, you might call uh, the, the, one of the terms that the Bureau of Statistics uses is underlying inflation. That is to say, whether there's general price pressure or whether it's isolated and will pass. There's a big debate about that in the US. Um, it, there was uh, people are called team team transitory, those people who say it's transitory and uh, others who say it's not, uh, I would have said that Team Transit Tree was winning the debate, would have said that, but the sort of consensus is changing that we've got something underlying that is starting to take off seriously in the US. I think in Australia, most people would still be in Team Transit Tree for the moment, but that uh, that uh, is, is no guarantee, uh, you know, that that'll be the case next month or or so on. We we really don't know what's happening. We've had low inflation since the early nineties, and you know, most people there, many people, you know, their adult life has been uh, believing that they could go to the shops, decide not to buy something, go back in six months, and it'll still be the same price. That's how a lot of people have grown up. Didn't used to be the case. Uh, whether that's changing or not, um, we don't know. Um, Australia's, uh, you know, I suppose we can bless the, uh, the destruction of unions, uh, whoever was responsible for that, um, you know, maybe that will stop uh, uh, the, these price spikes that are temporary, you know, temporary shortage of oil and so on. Um, uh, becoming more general inflation, maybe they will. Uh, We really don't know. It's uh, a big debate in the US. Uh, It's uh, a big debate here. And, uh, you know, if you ask me what my view was, uh, I probably, I might well give you a different view in six months' time. We're in the middle of a change. We don't don't know whether what's happening is sort of going to be real and lasting or not. Now, Now, inflation is good for some people. Um, If you're a borrower, it's great. And this used to be the case when Australians got mortgages. They knew that, um, you know, in 30 years' time, they would have paid it off early because their wages would have roared up. Wages haven't been increasing. So inflation is good for borrowers and um, it's, uh, you know, I guess, uh, uh, bad for lenders. Um, There are some people who... uh, you know, who, who find it really useful. Also, also, it's in a sense, it's good for retail sales because, you know, I'm, I'm old enough to remember the days where if I saw a new cassette radio recorder, you know, in the 80s, I'd go out and buy it because it'd be more expensive in six months' time. <laughs> so um, it, it's... Uh, but we don't yet know whether we've got to deal with that. We don't yet know whether it's really uh, sort of reared its head and roared back.
0: Yeah, I mean, most of, the, most of the people that I kind of listen to um, in this area were, were, I guess, on team transitory um, initially. And yeah, it certainly seems like it's not quite going that way. Or the wave isn't breaking that way in the States. Um, so if it is not just transitory, which... By the way, I understand to be, um, this is sort of a transitory inflation as sort of a, um, a temporary miscalibration as you go through, um, as a market goes through some kind of, um, exogenous shock, right? So COVID's like a really good example of this. There's been, you know, basically everything's kind of been out of whack and, you know, we've had semiconductor shortages and, you know, we've had the, the, um, uh, we've had the ever given kind of like block up the Suez canal and all that sort of stuff. And it's all just a bit of a mess right now, but it'll pass, like it's fine. So, um, okay, great. So, but let's, let's for a second, um, assume that it's not transitory and, um, we've gone from, you know, don't worry, this will pass to, okay, this is actually kind of, this has changed the calculus a little bit. How, how do we kind of get out of it like how do we how do we talk ourselves out of this kind of um you know this feedback loop that we that we get into what 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 would be our way out
1: maybe we shouldn't get out of it um some inflation is good the reserve bank's inflation target is something between 2 and 3% per year the reserve bank's inflation target is not 0 the danger of zero inflation is that uh uh, people get so reluctant to buy, figuring that prices will never rise, that uh, prices start falling to induce them to buy. Right,
0: right. And
1: uh, then basically, yeah, you get a recession. <laughs> they won't buy because prices will fall, and prices fall because they won't buy. So uh, it's, it's best to, to get on the on the plus side of uh, of zero, and. Um, Our lives were not bad when we had 7% um, inflation, when we had uh, decent wage rises. Um, Also, inflation gives you room to make mistakes. If you're a business and you price something wrongly, or you can adjust it and blame it on inflation. You can adjust it up or down. People are confused by prices uh, uh, in in times of inflation. So um, we need some. Uh, the Reserve Bank has picked a certain target. Uh, New Zealand's Reserve Bank has picked a different target. Its target is, I think, zero to 2%. Ours is or zero to three. Ours is two to three. Um, uh, it doesn't really matter. Now, if it gets too high for the authorities, they whack up interest rates, and they have less to spend, so less to bid up the price of bananas and so on. They'll buy a few fewer bananas because they're going to pay an extra $20 a month um, or whatever on their mortgage. So we have the means to control it, but um, I... You know, hyperinflation is obviously a ridiculous thing and a very bad thing because you you need to keep going to the bank to get out more money. By the uh, you know by the end of your shopping trip,
0: what what's the gap between here and hyperinflation? What 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 would have to happen in order for us to kind of um, get that sort of escape velocity, I suppose, of hyperinflation?
1: If the government puts a lot of money into the economy, that could uh, create it. Um, if there's uh, not enough people available to work. So uh, if the government gave everyone stimulus checks, you know, as they've done in in various uh, crises, you know, $800 go and spend it now. And there simply uh, weren't, you know, enough people to make the washing machines or, or whatever it was that'd push up the price. And if the government did it without limit, uh, that would, uh, you know, that would push up the prices quite a lot. But on the other hand, if you do things to make people who are presently employed or presently unemployed more employable, then you can increase the ability to make washing machines and so on. But we're talking, we're talking something. An inflation neared twenty percent in Australia, got to eighteen percent or something in the uh, in the nineteen seventies. We're a long, I and mean, that was caused by an oil price uh, uh, spike too. Um, we're a long, long way from that. I mean, if you ask me, uh, you know, it's, it's you know, the Reserve Bank's got its target. I wouldn't be worried by, uh, I wouldn't be worried by five or seven percent. Now, if it spiraled up, because uh, we'd re-established a link with wages which we, and prices, which we seem to have broken a bit. If it spiralled up and up, I'd I'd start to get worried. But other people would get worried before me. Very few people, though, think there should be no inflation. It's sort of nice, and it makes people feel good too because they feel their wages. They can see
0: it. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those things that they track.
1: And 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 they can uh, adjust what they buy. As right. Can, as, exactly. As yeah, they've got that kind of you know the price of apples goes up more than the price of bananas. They, they can, can substitute. Uh, they, they can do well out of it. Yeah, I
0: I, I asked my. Um, my friend who is uh, an economics advisor over in new zealand um and he he sort of pointed out to me that um you know most most if not all cases of of real kind of hyperinflation um uh require or like historically at least have had a essentially like an incapacitated government um so you know the government has either been like really busy with a war um or you have you know something like uh Zimbabwe um, in the sort of what the was it the late 90s early aughts you know with with kind of essentially like a a government that's sort of not functioning properly um, as as a as a as a kind of an important component of hyperinflation i.e. it becomes sort of runaway and and a government sort of doesn't step in and you know flex its muscles to kind of control the situation but would you sort of agree with that or does that sort of sound a bit bit myopic I think that's true And I think that's
1: what we're seeing in Russia at the moment. If you look at what has given the world prosperity, um, and prosperity began in a way in the late 1800s, around 1870. From then on, you'll see living standards shot up. And what gave the world prosperity, or what was associated with it, was trade, firstly. The ships started moving goods all over the world. Um, And uh, government, the rule of law. Now... There's a reason that, uh, notwithstanding that um, you know the price of labour is cheap in other countries, that uh, companies set up uh, operations in Australia, and because uh, they know there's the rule of law and they know that governments are on top of these things, uh, that's why uh, you're right. I can't see that kind of thing happening here. Now you can get back to me in uh, in uh, two years when we have massive hyperinflation and. Uh, uh, um, I'll concede that Australia has become a failed
0: state, but until it does,
1: <laughs> until it does, I'm sure they're on top of it, Char.
0: Well, so um, maybe we'll, we'll round this out with, um, I was going to actually get you to, to answer for me as a final question. Um, Jamie Briggs has said of you, um, at least he is consistent. consistently wrong. So what do you think you believe about inflation that your colleagues are most likely to disagree with?
1: I think my views are pretty standard. Um, It's also a generational thing. I think the only people who are really worried about inflation are the people with memories of very big inflation, which was the 70s, and there are fewer and fewer of them. And I've lived in my own life through a time, as I said, you know, when you buy a, a cassette radio recorder when um, expectations just changed. These days, we don't expect prices to rise. And uh, we've got, you know, 30 years of, uh, you know, people who've been adults for 30 years have become used to that. So I don't really see it increasing. Now, there are other people with longer memories and they refer to theories about how, you know, runaway inflation can happen. And, uh, you know, maybe they're right, but um, I think we've got too used to prices uh, not increasing it's one of the reasons that a lot of people are concerned about petrol now because they're saying what you know it's a, it's a new it's a a new thing to them didn't used to be no I I think my views are uh a fairly standard uh, but uh, people uh, older than me or even older than me would be more worried
0: yeah and I guess like that's that's a worthwhile kind of um way to think about it right like the the I mean, it's a pretty common refrain that the world has changed, Um, you know, and and especially, I mean, you look at the turmoil of the sort of the 20th century, just so much development happened, so much kind of general reorganization of, you know, societies and markets, so many new technologies, you'd almost, as a rule of thumb, um, you know, you'd be pretty suspicious, I suppose, of um, orthodoxies from you know, even the seventies feels like a reach, right? 50 years ago, it was a very different time, very different way that we'd sort of transact, Um, you know, markets kind of looked quite fundamentally different. Right. So I would, and I, I could be really wrong here, but I'd almost like look skeptically at anyone who sort of felt that they had a, you know, a theory that was grounded in, in something, you know, in truths of, of, you know, market dynamics from, 50, sixty plus years ago right you'd want something more current
1: me too that's right i don't I don't think that um, uh, that uh, sort of um, uh, concerns that we had decades ago um, hold uh, still I've described economics as a fa- as a fashion business um, <laughs> because uh, <laughs> uh, uh, fashion's theories change and they they, they change because the underlying dynamics change. People behave on inflation. They behave differently uh, to what they used to. So I can't see it taking off. In fact, I'm sure it won't take off because I'm sure the Reserve Bank will uh, would love nothing more. They've got interest rates embarrassingly low, 0.1%, uh, the uh, lowest in history, at, at the Reserve Bank's cash rate. I'm sure it'd like nothing more than an excuse to crush inflation by um, increasing rates. So no, I, I, I can't see massive inflation coming back in Australia. We are going to have to pay more for petrol uh, for a while. but um, It's not such a bad uh, thing, is it? <laughs> it mightn't be such a bad thing uh, if it lasts. Yeah. If it lasts, we will, as I said, we will switch not to something other than bananas, but something other than uh, uh, high petrol use cars. Well, that's and, it. Uh, that
0: might be a, a very good thing. Well, we talk about substitution, right? And, and this is a great potential opportunity for massive change, um, to occur here, right. We've, we've had these two, you know, big cultural things happen. One being we've all worked from home a lot more and we've sort of understood that we can, you know, run our businesses or, or do our jobs from our our spare bedrooms. Um, And two is we're all talking about, you know, climate change and green energy and alternative um you know non-petroleum based uh energy solutions um you would have thought that if you could have any of these kind of major kind of step changes um as a result of or like kind of major substitutions I suppose this would be kind of a, a moment for it right if we're going to have to substitute out oil entirely or or you know rethink the game on it now would almost be the time
1: yeah and there's work being done on the extent to which this happens our price elasticity uh, as I said, we're inelastic uh, with petrol. We've got no choice but to buy it in the short term. But um, uh, over time, uh, two years, the elasticity is about 0.3, which means that if the price of petrol goes up 10%, we will buy 3% less of it. And we'll do that by changing the kind of cars uh, that we have. And, um, you know, the, the, the prospect of not going and uh, looking at those uh, awfully large... Signs, you know, displaying the petrol price uh, of being freed from that forever it's becoming increasingly attractive. And if the prices stay high for two years, it'll become, uh, you know, an extremely attractive proposition to uh, get a car that doesn't need petrol.
0: And I'm just going to ask you one last question because uh, I don't speak to economists that often. But you had a you had a bit of a working definition of economics before. Um, I found one that I quite enjoy, and I sort of I use. Um, in whichever capacity I, I, I need to. Um, and I'd love to know what you think of it. Um, essentially, economics is defined by two very basic principles. Uh, one, there's almost always a trade-off and two, incentives matter. Um, and, and the definition goes that um, essentially, if you approach problems in social science by starting with the division between preferences and constraints, you're doing economics wonder what you think of that. That's right.
1: Great. That's right. The the, the key thing in economics is that everything has a cost. Now, if everything doesn't have a cost, it's not economics. I mean, it used to be the case that air didn't have a cost, right? I could use or pollute as much of it as I wanted. It would make no difference. There was no economics of air. There was no issue. But where what you're doing imposes a cost on you means you can't do something else or imposes a cost on something else, someone else and it needn't be a financial cost. That's economics. It's dealing with scarcity in, in some sort of way. Um, but uh, in cases where there's not scarcity and there are fewer and fewer of them, um, there's no case for economics. There's no decision to be made. It's about what you do in a situation where... Doing something will impose a cost on you or on someone else, even if that cost is just the amount of time you've got to spend driving to the petrol station or the amount of time you've got to spend thinking about it.
0: Yeah, it's it's almost the effect of preferences and constraints in a zero-sum game or system, isn't it?
1: And the other definition, the the broader definition uh, I like is applied psychology. (laughs) It's how people do, it's how people think about those things. And that's how economics is different from physics and those other sciences. Physics and so on, you you can just, you have to observe. That's how you work things out. Economics, uh, we observe but we also have the advantage of looking inside our own heads and thinking well how would I make that decision so there's um, it has uh, introspection it's right. uh, I suppose it, it it uses some of psychology which has that and uh, some of physics which is observation we can talk about it another time yeah
0: yeah within within physics is the idea of the observer effect which is a a pretty um, that retrograde idea of, of how quantum mechanics works. But um, yeah, there is sort of that element, isn't there? All right, well, here is my attempt to explain inflation with the benefit of, uh, of Peter's um, uh, further knowledge. So inflation is a natural occurrence in markets whereby prices of everyday goods, known as a basket, go up over time. It's not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, reserve banks, which are essentially government um, banks, have an interest in keeping inflation happening at a steady rate so that consumers are motivated to keep buying things now because if they wait till tomorrow, they'll go up in price. And this is what kind of keeps economies ticking along and stops prices from falling through lack of demand. Um, While it looked for a while like the current inflation we're going through was going to be transitory, i.e. a temporary recalibration of market prices because of unexpected events like COVID, Um, it's very impossible that inflation or these higher inflation rates are here to stay. However, it's very unlikely that things will get out of hand because we, in Australia at least, have a functioning government uh, with a reserve bank that can keep things in check.
1: Charles, uh, 10 out of 10, or with, um, with inflation, maybe uh,
0: uh, <laughs> 14 out of 10. Well done. 10 out of 10 today.